If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to the Newborn Mothers podcast. Today I'm interviewing a, a friend of mine, Jamie, who does incredible work in uh, all sorts of areas, but specifically today, climate justice. And because we're just, you know, smack bang at the beginning of this pandemic crisis, we'll also be talking about that a little bit. Jamie, I wanted to invite you on the show because um, kind of one of my big themes of the year for Newborn Mothers is decolonisation. And I know that's something you're really... Um, you just spend a lot of time thinking about those things. And then also, we also talk about climate a lot from the perspective of, um, uh, I think if we had more respect for, for women and for more feminine ways of doing things, I feel like that would also then be reflected in um, our environmental policies and, and that kind of thing too. So we talk a lot about the connection between you know, what it means to be a mother and, and how we can influence our community with those skills. Um, yes, and I see you doing that every day, Jamie. You're a mum and you do incredible work and, uh, yeah, I'd love to learn more about what you do. Thanks for, um, thanks for talking. <laughs> do you want to explain a bit about what you do and maybe how you came to this kind of work? Sure. Um... So I, I work in the climate justice space um, and I suppose what that means is I work in the space of trying to ensure that we um, respond in a way that we need to respond at the scale we need to respond and in a way that takes care of people. So uh, with others recently we've established the Climate Justice Union which kind of is really looking at um, both how do, how do we reduce, um, reduce the emissions and um, absorb uh, as many emissions as we can in the, in the atmosphere? How do we ensure that we have transition plans for workers and communities that enable us to get from where we are to where we need to go? And how do we make sure we do that in a way that takes care of people? And how do we, you know, how do we ensure that we're planning for the kind of disasters and crises that are coming and the changes that are, are coming to how we live and how our world is going to be? How do we plan for those and how do we make sure that we're prepared for what's coming and we, again, take care of everybody in that process? Um, so that's, you know, it's very broad and it's very big. And now throw COVID-19 into that, um, you know, you could replace climate with COVID-19 and you can replace COVID-19 with climate. Like in some ways it's very similar. Um, how I got to this work, I worked in the social services sector, in social justice. I was a drama practitioner, so I would run workshops for at-risk kids and I worked in the prison system, um, worked on the streets, kind of was dealing with um, the question that was like the, the justice system is just one that continually, it's like a revolving door, so we could do as much work as we wanted with the kids inside. They were just going to go back out into society and society was going to do the same damage to them and they would be right back again. So I started asking those systemic questions. How do we, you know, how do we actually end this um, in a way that, you know, or how do we prevent this? Um, how do we ensure we manage this from a systemic perspective? 
um, didn't engage in climate, didn't engage in environment, thought that that was a totally separate issue because I was about the people, not about the planet. And it wasn't until someone had a really um, good and deep kind of transformational conversation with me that allowed me to see that actually climate and environmental issues disproportionately affected um, people and the people that I cared about, the people I was working for, the people I advocated for and with, they were the ones that were already being hit the hardest and were going to continue to be hit the hardest. And so I was able to see that, you know, they were totally interconnected issues. Um, and so I transitioned from being a people person that just kind of, you know, hung out in the forest and liked it but didn't really do anything about it to someone who realised the interconnection with those environmental and climate concerns and then add in the systemic piece the more I asked the more questions I what the situation was and that then became my kind of central organizing work it became the kind of focus of what I was doing um, because I found and as most of us feel and experience we're not responding as quickly as we need to we're not doing the work that we need to do um, and you know, if we don't scale up, if we don't actually do that urgently, then we're kind of stuffed. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of like a little bit about how I got here and where I'm at. Um, and then, you know, 2020 is kind of an interesting year. <laughs> There's that whole conversation around, you know, the curse, may you live in interesting times. Um, 2020 is, you know, interesting um, from the... If you look at COVID-19 not as a disruption from climate but, um, and not as a divergence but actually as a part of the same thing, we have been told by health professionals and climate scientists that from this kind of decade we were going to see climatic impacts at the level of the fires that we saw over east and on Naju country here. But we were also told that we were going to see increasing pandemics, increasing vector-borne diseases and all of those things. And whilst we couldn't have predicted it was going to be COVID-19, in speaking to my health professional colleagues, they're like, we kind of told you this was coming. Um, this is a new normal. I was like, no, 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 don't tell me this is a new normal. This is not a new normal. They're like, no, no, this is what we mean, though. This is the kind of thing that we're going to see more of. And it's incredibly hard to say that, and it's incredibly hard to say that knowing that I've got... Um, that there are women listening to this with tiny, perfect, extraordinary, amazing little human beings in their in their lives. Um, but what does that mean for us now? And how do we find joy? And how do we work to um, ensure that the systems that created these two things, um, both COVID nineteen and also the climate crisis, how do we use our response to transform that? How do we how do we shift that and make the world better for everybody through these processes and through these crises? Yeah, I love that. I love that because, you know, one thing I've been thinking about a lot, the rate of change that is required for us right now as, as you know, as a species for our, literally for our survival is so great that it is not a kind of change that we can just do in a linear way. It's going to be a leap. It has to be a massive leap. And I think that kind of transformation it needs to be almost like it's a bit hard to explain, but almost like a spiritual paradigm shift, you know, like we need to have a totally new way of looking at the world. We can't just keep like taking steps forward. We need to actually completely shift the way that we think about everything. And if you look at um, Jacinda Ardern's response to COVID-19 and 
Trump's response, Scott Morrison's response, um, Boris Johnson's response. Like when you compare her as a new mum in this position of leadership to the men that are in other positions of leadership right now, it's like not light and day. Her response is one that is led by care. Her response is one that is compassion. She's literally telling people we are going to destroy our financial systems so that we can take care of everybody and it's okay. We'll go through this together. We're going to do everything we can to support you in this. We will ensure that you have the food and the medicines that you need and we will look after people and we will act preemptively. Like it's the most extraordinary demonstration of the feminine leadership that we need right now. And then you compare that with what we're seeing in so many other communities, right? So we've got the um, incredibly military kind of authoritarian response that we had in China, which actually was incredibly useful and extraordinary, but huge amounts of suffering too. Like, you know, people literally had their houses um, kind of fenced with them stuck inside it, right? Like there were some incredibly awful things that happened, but they have the scale that they were able to respond in this very authoritarian military way. But then you've got like nations like ours with what should be quite paternalistic responses, really, if you look at it. Like we should have had, look, if you guys go partying at the beach, we're going to close your beaches down. So you'd better not misbehave, otherwise you're going to lose your toys. What they did was that they were really backwards. They've been so trying to protect that economy, that the, the financial systems and their colleagues and, and the broken system that got us where we are in the first place in so many places. They've had their attention on protecting that. And then when we needed them to bring this kind of really kind of almost paternalistic perspective to a conversation, they totally failed. And then they went, well, you didn't do the right thing, so we're now taking it all off you, rather than um, any kind of um, compassionate conversation of we know that you're struggling, we know that this is scary, here's what's happening, here's why it's happening, here's what's going to happen next, here's what we need from you. We're not getting any of that from the male leaders right now. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that because I've been thinking exactly the same thing. And it's not just Jacinda. It's if you look at, you know, the countries that have women leaders, Ireland, Germany, they do seem to have a much better, quicker, clearer, more caring response. And the countries that are really in big trouble have yeah. got men at the top who aren't, aren't inspiring the people to make the sacrifices that we need to make. Instead, they're taking this punitive response, like you were saying, they're telling you, you know, you can't be trusted, you're no good, um, rather than, you know, saying things like we, we are all making big changes, we know this is a scary time. The whole languaging is, is different and, you know, I think there's so much, um, you know, so much value in having those feminine and mothering and, and kind of women in, in leadership in the world. Are you loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book designed to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth. And my second book, Newborn Mothers, was a bestseller. I know, I can't believe it either. It's about baby brain, village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting. You can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com slash books. Sorry, you go. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say it's also why, so I before this conversation, um, somebody called me from um, one of the climate networks I work with and 
you know, because everything's changing so fast, they instantly kind of scheduled a bunch of um, kind of network calls so that, the you know, different minds can get together and talk about where are the opportunities in this space, where's the, where are the things that we need to be really looking out for. Um, but they scheduled it um, at lunchtime. But lunchtime in Australia means lunchtime for people on the East Coast, right? And if <laughs> I'm now homeschooling a five-year-old, whilst working shifts with my husband who's also in the house who's got a whole heap of stuff already scheduled and they're like I like I, I just can't work on the quick enough timeline that they need me to be able to be interrupt be able to be involved in these emergency calls. But the risk then is the only people that can be on these emergency calls are the people that haven't got the life circumstances that mums and others have, which means the responses are going to be ones that miss out on that intersectionality. And so there's this real challenge that those of us that are able to make the most of this chaos right now don't understand the complexity of what people in the community are dealing with right now. And if we can't understand the complexity of what people are facing, including being on a call, you know, having your five-year-old kind of need to help out with some construction, you know, whatever that might be, um, if we can't understand and bring that complexity into our responses, we won't we won't be able to adapt in a transformational way. Where we'll have more of the same, which further embeds greater inequity and and um, drives drives us in the wrong direction. You know, there's an incredible yeah. window right now for for shift and change, but that has to be led by those of us that have got ridiculously chaotic lives. And those of us that understand these things, and how do we do that when we're living those lives right now? It's not like we can put that life on hold, demonstrate some leadership, and then come back to our lives. We have to do it at the same time. Um, Which is what women are very good at doing, but also what our society is very good at excluding, you know. Totally. And so, again, because we're working in these systems where... Um, so the woman that's been organising a bunch of these calls um, at this, you know, time that doesn't work for, for people on the West Coast, um, she, she, she called me and my daughter needed something. So I was having a chat with my daughter while she was on the phone. I didn't mute it. I just left her and I came back to the call and she's like, oh, my goodness, I, you know, this is my second day of having my kids at home. You just made my day because I just needed to hear that someone else was dealing with this. Um, and thank you for, you know, thank you for doing that. But she's talking to her manager who doesn't have kids, who's not involved in this thing um, in that way. And they've got the flexibility to just put everything on hold and reschedule everything. Um, and so I was trying to say we need to have a parenting at the time of this call. And she said, oh, you know, I can imagine Australian um, Parents for Climate Action would be really into that. I was like, yes, but we need to have this call with the people in leadership in the system right now, not just the parents that, you know, that are in the, at the periphery. No, no, this needs to be a conversation with the decision makers so they know what they're dealing with and they can actually make space for what we need right now. Mm. Um, so that was, you know, and it's the same with women. It's like we can't, yes, the women, we need to caucus, we need to come together, we need to have those conversations, but sometimes it's like, no, no we need the men you need to listen to us and you need to do as we're asking because you need to make space for our leadership. You need to make space for what we can provide right now and we're not going to provide it on your timeline. You need to let us provide it. You need to get out of the way so we can provide it on our timeline. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. One of the things that I think about a lot is um, obstetricians are very largely male. And I always think surely an obstetrician is the one job where being a mom is, oh, look, I'm about to be interrupted by my baby now. <laughs> you go and talk to your dad, hey? Go and find daddy. <laughs> you can't open the door to my office. It, it's very handy. <laughs> um, but no, you come back and go and talk to daddy. He's right there. Oh, oh okay. Hang on. <laughs> You know, I would usually edit something like that out of a podcast, but that's probably exactly what people need to see right now. <laughs> that's, that's how it's going. There's so many calls that are going to happen right now where kids are coming in and, you know, we're kind of, and also we need to be able to talk about, it's actually a really good lesson for us, right? How do we talk about the climate crisis? How do we talk about COVID-19? How do we talk about things like pandemic and breakdown of our system in a way that we take our kids with us they know that it's okay for them to be who they are and where they are and that we can do it in a way that's empowering, that provides yes. hope, that is not ignoring the reality but is said in a way where um, this is just what we're dealing with right now. We can't wish this away. It's where we're at and this is our education. This is their education. This is our life right now. Yes, yeah, and so what I was saying before we were interrupted, so you'd think that obstetricians would, it would be an asset to be a mother, to have that <laughs> life experience. And yet what happens instead is people who are mothers, I had a client once who was an obstetrician and she actually had to change specialties after she had her baby because the lifestyle of an obstetrician didn't fit around yeah. being a mother. And I just thought that is just such a clear example of how the skills that we bring as mothers to the workplace are cut out of the workplace when actually the workplace could benefit from us bringing those exact skills, the exact exactly. things that we're good at because of our life experience, you know, but then we get shut out. So I know you've got to go in a minute, but I guess what I mostly want to know is what's the best way that we can do this? Because I know a lot of my community are mums, supporting mums and talking to mums how do we broaden those circles so that um not just mums but all kinds of intersectionalities are able to communicate with each other and also with you know participating in decision making and, and public life and things like that i think um in this moment given what's happening with covid19 i think now is an opportunity where we take what we excel at in our homes and we bring it to our local community. So there's a huge amount happening online, but while we can still get outside of our houses and deliver leaflets, while we can um, have conversations with our neighbours two metres away from them, um, now is a time, I think, for us to be bringing that care, that leadership, that interaction and the reality of that into that space and preparing like we would for our family but expanding the understanding of how big our family is. So if we can think about our family as the suburbs that we're living in, how do we ensure we take care of that family? How do we ensure we're preparing what we, for what we think might happen over the coming months for that family? Not just the family in our own, door, in our own home but the family that is our suburb. 
And, you know, I live in a suburb where I don't have a lot of credibility here most of the time because I'm quite different to people that I live with. But actually, the skills that I exhibit right now, the ability to make sense of this chaos, the... Um, the, the willingness to step up and have conversations around what is real, that's what people are really wanting right now. And so now I'm able to bring my skills from my work, from my climate justice work, from my home, from my being a mum, into a su suburb conversation. And through that, I can connect with you who can do it in your community and someone else who's doing it in their community. And that's how we redesign this. That's how we um, bring what we've got. We expand who our family are. We care for those that are around us. And then we, just like with our kids, you know, they do something and then we kind of remind them of what they learned and how they learned that. Well, the same thing with our communities. Oh, look, all of those meetings that had to happen in that timeline. Look, it was able to happen on this timeline in this way. Look how we did that. Maybe we don't need to be flying around the world. Maybe we don't need to be working strict nine to five working hours to function. There's a whole heap of opportunities available just by bringing what we have in our homes and bringing that to our communities and our families and our suburbs. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One of my favourite kind of concepts is when we become a mother, we become the mother to all the world's children. And, it, you know, that never could apply more than now. And creating these kinds of resilient, it's like a pandemic resilient community is actually going to be a very similar kind of process as creating a climate resilient community Absolutely. as well. So, and the, and the inequity issues, though, let's have our attention on inequity. Let's have our attention on those that don't have what we have. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have access to the internet. You probably have access to a phone and, and to, you know, credit on your phone. You probably have all of these things that will actually make social connection fairly easy for you to manage in this space. But a few streets away, um, next door, there's going to be families and communities that don't have that. How do we ensure they get what they need over these times and are not left behind by this process and that what happens over the next few months doesn't broad, doesn't widen that gap between those that have and those that don't. Mm, yeah, I love that. I think that's really, really important. Um, I think that's it, Jamie. Do you have anything else you want to add? And we'd love to hear more about the Climate Justice Union as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the Climate Justice Union is basically people coming together to make the world better. Um, as quickly as we can um, and, and leave no one behind. And if that's something you're interested in, then check us out online. Um, you know, feel free to join as a member. Um, we're going to look at how we kind of support our members and our community through this next few months. And then, you know, there's work to do. That, there's work to create a better world and it only happens by our imagining it and creating it. And that's what we do at the Climate Justice Union and that's what we do with our networks. That's great. Thank you. I'm a member. I highly recommend everyone check it out. And if you can become a member, do. Um, they're doing amazing work and pivoting very quickly through to, with supporting, you know, workers through the pandemic and, and justice um, for all people as we cope with this, this not only pandemic crisis, but also the climate crisis. They're very similar um, topics. Thanks, Jamie. No worries. Bye. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. 
If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.